What's going on, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to another episode of Locked On Blue Jays as part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your co-host, Lucas Weiss. Of course, I want to thank all the listeners who make Locked On Blue Jays your first listen of the day. Again, you can find my work on Twitter at We Sports, where I appear in Sportsnet, ESPN's The Undefeated, the Toronto Star, as well as play-by-play broadcasting for Saga 960 AM Radio. Locked on Blue Jays podcast is free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. So make sure to like, rate, and subscribe. You are Locked on Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. On today's episode, we're continuing our off-season content. And once again, I'm pleased to be joined by MLB analyst, Jen Smith. Jen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Lucas. I've been uh, watching the days tick down as we approach the the deadline for the CBA. And uh, not only am I, you know, hoping every time I log into Twitter that I see some sort of news, uh, not simply about the the negotiations themselves, but just, you know, is, has there been a signing? Has there been a trade? Has there been something? So, you know, it'll be really, really interesting to see what happens over the next week and a half as we approach that deadline. Absolutely. And of course, we were joined by Evan Drellick of The Athletic. I really encourage all the listeners to go back and listen to that episode. We had a great conversation with Evan, basically a primer of what could happen if there is no CBA on December 1, and then the owners will most likely lock out the players on December 2nd. Now, this past week, as we're recording this, the owners met in Chicago, and Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, did a press conference. And basically what he said, Jen, was words to the effect and, you know, maybe not explicitly, but certainly implicitly, to me anyway, that it is likely that a lockout is going to happen. But he did say something very fascinating to me, which was an off-season work stoppage, which mm-hmm. to me, I think, you know, certainly jumped off the page to me because, let's face it, right, like, if it's an off-season work stoppage, hey, right? And the games don't get impacted and nothing gets impacted about the regular season and the game gets better because of the new CBA, I'm all for that. Um, again, though, you know, he may be a little bit hesitant to, to, to take everything that Rob Manfred is saying at face value, but it is his first media availability prior to the end of the CBA and I just found those words fascinating to use because I think that might be the best case scenario that comes out of this. Right. If they can actually have a work stoppage that somehow leads them to the bargaining table to hammer out a deal before the start of the season, then clearly that's a best case scenario for both sides, right? Because then nobody is losing money. Games are not impacted. And, you know, essentially it becomes business as usual when business is most critical. So, you know, framing it that that way sounds really, really good. 
Um, but clearly, you know, to me, it's also right now about who has leverage and who has the control, right? There's a difference between being locked out, right? Where the, uh, the owner's control, baseball takes control versus a player strike where the players are taking control of the situation. So there's a bit of gamesmanship here as well, I believe. For sure. And, you know, Manfred did say that we understand that time is becoming an issue. And he also said that I can't believe there's a single fan in the world who doesn't understand that an off-season lockout that moves the process forward is different than a labor dispute that costs games. And that's basically, I think, what I believe, and certainly from our conversation with Evan Chen, what I got from him was that that's probably what is going to happen. Because look, when the lockout does become official, and we'll break that all down here on the Lockdown Blue Jays podcast on you know December 1, December 2. But afterwards, it'll probably be a little bit quiet until paychecks are at play. Paychecks right. are potentially affected if the sparring continues, if the, the quote-unquote gamesmanship continues, and what have you. But I think what's going to happen is when that time comes, it'll feel like a little bit of a rush. But hopefully by February, a deal does get signed that both parties can agree upon and that we don't get to a scenario like what John Heyman of MLB Network has suggested that it's as painful as it's ever been and it's going to be two and a half months of pain. No one wants to lose money. And that is the bottom line here, right? I keep stating it. Baseball is a business at the end of the day. Yes, for fans, it's entertainment. But, you know, it is the entertainment business. That's what this is. Nobody wants to lose any money. So having games be impacted is absolutely the worst case scenario for both sides. I have... You know, no idea, mind you. I, it sounds like from everything we've heard and in talking to Evan Drellick that, you know, they are quite far apart on, on certain key issues. Does a lockout move them closer? I have no idea. You know, would it just simply naturally progress towards a an actual solution just simply with spring training looming? I don't know. But what the lockout obviously does do is it prevents players from being able to sign their deals during the offseason, right? So, you know, that then creates uncertainty for all of those free agents who have absolutely no idea where they're going to be playing. And then, as you said, that in turn creates the frenzy, just, you know, if things get settled just before the start of spring training, and that's not necessarily ideal either. So it will be really interesting to see. Of course, we're all assuming that there will actually be a lockout. It is very interesting. It will be very interesting then to see, you know, whether or not that gets both sides moving in the right direction and how long it takes to get them moving in the right direction. Well, that's certainly the key. And 
I think that it's in both sides' best interest to get a deal done to, to, to not impact any games or the 2022 season, particularly what baseball and the rest of the world has gone through the last two years. Right. Yes. But I think what's also important too, is that both sides also want the best deal for their respective party. So, so they're not going to compromise. I don't think on the key issues, maybe that emerge. We don't know what they will be. I think we need to wait to see negotiations take place. They want a good deal for both their parties. And I think that that's incredibly important as this process goes along. But I do think that it's so important to understand that fans need baseball. The the, the industry (laughs) needs baseball to happen and not losing any games. But obviously, hopefully the new deal makes the game of baseball better. Absolutely. And you're right. It's a very good point to bring up what has been going on the last couple of years, right? The 2020 shortened season, 2021, depending on what team we're talking about, there may may have been no fans, some fans, you know, in the case of of the Toronto Blue Jays, of course, no home for, for a significant length of time. And so, you know, the game has already been impacted. Uh, revenues for ownership has already been impacted. Nobody wants, you know, another season of games somehow be impacted. Nobody wants another season where revenue is impacted. So, you know, it, it, and again, I guess for me, I'm looking at it thinking, okay, if these players get locked out, you know, in December, well, spring training starts in February, right? Pitchers and catchers report fairly early in February. A lot of players show up to the training facilities even before the official start date of spring training, and they won't be able to do that either if there is a, a lockout. So I'm I'm very curious to see whether or not they can actually get the deal done without pushing back any of those timelines because if spring training is shortened you know how does that then impact the ability to start the season on time for example and can you still fit in 162 how do you maybe you know rejig the schedule a little bit to do that so there's a lot here that at stake no doubt and and like i said we will chat about any updates that become available as they come through. But as we continue on this podcast on the Lockdown Blue Jays, we do have a couple Blue Jays items to chat about today. Um, Jose Barreos, of course, met with the media and right as his uh, new contract was announced. And, of course, the end of the MLB Awards, which, of course, ended with uh, the AL MVP uh, being announced. And, of course, two Blue Jays were up for that, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. and Marcus Semyon. They, of course, lost to Shohei Otani. But we're going to talk about that coming right up. But first, let me talk to you guys about Direct TV. I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. 
DirecTV Stream brings you live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. All right, we're back. Lucas Weiss, MLB analyst, Jen Smith. This is the Locked On Blue Jays podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I want to thank all the listeners who make Locked On Blue Jays your first listen of the day. So, Jen, we reacted to the news last week of Jose Barreos getting his new contract extension, seven years, $131 million. But Barreos met with the media in Toronto, alongside Blue Jays general manager, Ross Atkins. And I'm sure you've been in those introductory or or contract extension type of press conferences, and I've certainly listened to them and watched them from afar over the years. But I'm still quite impacted by it. And I don't, you know, and, and because I think what this one did, and we've talked about it briefly before but i really want to dig into it now here is the culture that's what i heard so much from jose barrios about the culture of the organization starting from ross and mark and down to the players that obviously want to win but then the city right the city of toronto the diversity how it's such a you know lively city, according to Jose, that makes him feel safe. And we often hear so much of, of the athletes that leave Toronto. You know, Vince Carter, Kawhi Leonard. I mean, that's Raptors, and you know, the, you know, the list goes on about other athletes that leave Toronto for various reasons, or the reasons why athletes don't want to come to Canada: taxes, customs, all that. So it was really refreshing to me to hear an athlete like Jose Barreos really embrace and really show genuine affection, not just for the organization culture, but the city of Toronto where he's playing with the Blue Jays. It was extremely refreshing to hear, right? It's it's really easy, for example, for a hockey player to come join the Toronto Maple Leafs and say, Oh, you know, it was, it's always been my dream to play for Toronto, an original 16, right? That, that we hear and, and, and we understand sort of the history maybe behind those statements. But to hear somebody say that about the Toronto Blue Jays, you know, where these players, you know, a lot of these players, they're either American-born or Latin-born players. They're not from Canada to choose to live here and play here is really incredible. And, you know, there has been this long sort of standing notion that the Jays have difficulty getting players to agree to play North of the border. And Jose Barrios was really adamant that it only took the two, two and a half months that he was with this team to decide that not only was it the right organization for him, that it was also the right city for him and his family, that they felt welcomed here and they felt safe here. And those were really impactful statements, I think, 
you know, to actually hear somebody not just say that they like it here, but that they felt safe here. That's, that's a very strong and interesting word that he used. And I think when he talked about his family, I mean, you, you could definitely see that, you know, it, it means a lot to him and, it, and I'm sure it means a lot to a lot of athletes, but look, I mean, you know, you, you cover the team, you write on the team, you, you know, obviously these things for, for media members have, have been, you know, are, are quite common occurrences when, you know, a, a new coach comes in, a new GM comes in, a new player comes in. And, and let's be honest, sometimes you get a little bit numb to it, right? Because it feels like at times the same things are being said, like you just mentioned in, in your answer. So, so you, you become numb to the platitudes that often get expressed. But when you see a guy like Jose, who's still relatively young, Jen, I mean, still, you know, not even mm -hmm. in his 30s yet, and get emotional by a team that obviously, you know, is committing a lot to him. And I think also in turn, by what this opportunity can mean for his family, when you speak about him being safe here and him loving the diversity of Toronto, I just think you can't help but be human in that moment and, and just, you know, you know, feel happy for the guy, right? That he gets this opportunity because it's clear that it means a lot to him. And I think for Blue Jays fans, like go buy a Jose Barreos jersey. I mean, like go, <laughs> you know, support this guy. Because I think it's what Toronto fans sometimes say, like, oh, you know, we have sometimes this us against the world because of all these players that have left and, and some of the, you know, you know, not the, not the positive light that, you know, Americans have on Canadians and all that, but it's just so refreshing to, to hear someone really just fall in love with Toronto. And, and I think clearly happy and, and overjoyed by this opportunity and what it means in his career. Well, and it's not just him or his wife. They have three young children. Right. So these three young children now are going to, for the next seven years of their lives, be raised in Toronto for at least, you know, part of part of the year anyways. This is where they're going to make their home, you know? So as a parent, you're making a decision that impacts the next seven years of the, the lives of your children. That's a tremendous decision to make. And, you know, the line that he that he gave when he was talking about Toronto, not only did he refer to the diversity and the fact that it was a worldly city, he said, where we can be human. Mm. That's what he said, where we can be human. And I'm sure that that is a commentary, probably a little bit on maybe things that he has experienced, you know, in the United States but also is obviously a commentary on what Toronto has to offer all of the people who live here, regardless of their background, regardless of, you know, where they came from, regardless of why they're here. That statement really, really stood out. And I know it stood out to a lot of people where we can be human. And that really speaks volumes as to, 
you know, how much impact he has felt in just the two, two and a half months that he was with this team. And I think that it also maybe bodes well in terms of other players hearing statements like that and thinking that's where I want to bring my family. Absolutely. I mean, you know, and, and I think that's got to make Blue Jays fans excited about just, you know, the, you know, that opportunity and, you know, all, all that sort of stuff. And, and just being able to see like, wow, like, like Toronto's the real deal. And, and look, we've seen, you know, Hanjin Ryu come here. We've seen George Springer come here. Now Jose Barreos come here. I mean, what more do you need about this front office willing to spend money to bring guys to Toronto? And I think it speaks a lot to Ross Atkins, Mark Shapiro, this front office, when clearly they heard that, you know, Jose's interested. Like they want to get this done deal done pretty quickly. And I think it sh- still shocks a lot of people how quickly they were able to get it done. But I think from that press conference, Jen, it signaled that both parties, you know, like there was a real commitment from Jose to Toronto. And in turn, there was a real commitment from Ross to Jose and, and just, you know, what this front office thinks of a guy like Jose Barreos and they meshed together and were able to get a deal where look, you know, the, the Blue Jays have, have this guy locked up for, for the window where they're trying to compete, compete for a championship. And for Jose, I mean, who knows what he would be able to get on the open market, probably more. And I think that just probably even more, right. Just being able to, get this deal done because again it goes back to our point about his real affinity for Toronto and the Blue Jays organization. So two different things that you've sort of brought up in that statement. The first was the fact that Ross Atkins got this done quickly. So you know he was asked in the press conference about his order of operations and why he, you know, focused on getting this extension with Barrios done so quickly. And Atkins said that he wanted to maximize the opportunity of mutual interest. So they had obviously spoken to Barrios probably shortly after he joined the team. I'm, I'm guessing that when they traded for him, they were looking at him as somebody who they would want to lock up long term, right? And sure enough, bringing him into the organization... He fit in well, everything ran smoothly. And so, you know, Atkins ended up getting that deal, that deal signed. And so, you know, that's a, that's good because as you said, that they're spending money, right? They've signed several big deals. Now, if you look at Ryu, you look at Springer, now Barrios, they are obviously very willing to commit money to players. The other side of that, um, that you mentioned was Barrios and the impact that the team has had on him. And I know a lot of fans roll their eyes sometimes when team chemistry and team culture are mentioned because ultimately, really, professional athletes want to win. So as long as the team is winning, eh, maybe culture really doesn't matter that much. Um, 
But the fact that players always bring up this concept suggests that it really is a thing. It really is something that is actually important to them, whether they are winning or losing. We do know, yeah, winning, I guess, sort of solves everything. But this team was winning. Like the Jays were right there in terms of fighting for that playoff spot. And really, it could have gone kind of any which way there in in September. And, you know, still that concept of culture was important to Barrios enough that he mentioned it several times during the conference. So I don't think, you know, for as much as some fans want to kind of roll their eyes and say it doesn't matter, clearly it's something that it that does matter. And clearly whatever is going on with that front office and that clubhouse and that core group of guys, they got something good going on. With MLB analyst Jen Smith, this is the Locked On Blue Jays podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. Of course, again, you know, Jose Barreos signed that seven-year extension worth $131 million. And look, I think if Blue Jays fans didn't know about him, you know, by, you know, what he did on the mound this season, I think we, we heard more about him in that press conference. And I really recommend anyone listen to that because I really do think, like, it's more than just the normal athlete introduction to a franchise. I think this is someone who he's going to make an impact for this team. And I, I, and I think it's going to be really fun to watch him grow as one of the top pitchers in the Blue Jays. We'll be back with our conversation again on the Lockdown Blue Jays podcast. But first, let's check in with our friends at Built Bar. Now, I love Thanksgiving, all the good food and treats and plenty of them. But maybe you want a, a yummy dessert. It isn't so full of calories and sugar. Well, it's the perfect time for Built Bar, the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel absolutely good about it. Replace the coconut cream pie with coconut Built Bar. Go for a raspberry Built Bar instead of that raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein. Now, where can you get Built Bar, you may ask? Well, go to Built.com. And use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, welcome back. Lucas Weiss, MLB analyst, Jen Smith. This is the Lockdown Blue Jays podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Again, I want to thank all the listeners who make Lockdown Blue Jays your first listen of the day. Other bit of news, Jen, that happened uh, last week, which we, we haven't had a chance to discuss, which I wanted to bring up, is the AL MVP. And obviously, I'm not surprised. I don't think you are necessarily surprised by the, by the eventual decision. Shoei Otani is the AL MVP. If you want to go back to our previous episodes where we talk about that, I mean, I was, you know, certainly, and, and I'm sure a lot of people were, very, you know, very happy for, for, for Shoei and just, you know, and, and, and you as well, Jenny, you know, we, we, we both just, you know, expressed the, the special season that Shohei had. But Vlad also had a special season. And I think what's interesting about this for me is what does Vlad, I guess, need to do to win the MVP? I mean, because again, you know, Shoy Otani, like, you know, you know, pick him up and, and you know, poof, he's gone. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is the MVP this year. 
And I'm just curious from your perspective, are we going to see, you know, maybe, you know, the writers and whatnot be more, you know, deferred to Vlad, just given the fact of, you know, how special he is as a hitter, or if any time we see Shohei Otani, you know, kill it on the mound, kill it at the plate, are we going to have this discussion again? Because I feel like we may be headed to that for the next few years, just given the trajectory of where Vlad and Shohei are going in terms of being one of the best players in baseball. It's really interesting, right? I, I've heard this debate a couple of times, and I apologize, it was months ago, so I don't even remember who it was that was talking on the radio, but you know, somebody essentially was saying that uh, with what Shohei Otani was doing, he how could you vote for anybody other than MVP? And the question was, you know, okay, well, if he does this repeatedly then is he just always the MVP? And the person said, yes. Whereas we know that there have been seasons when say Mike Trout should have won MVP, but didn't because you can't give it to him every single season. So it's really an interesting conversation as to which way writers might go. So if both players, you know, sort of essentially duplicated these seasons next year, I would, I would imagine they would vote for Shohei again. So what has Vlad got to do? I, I don't know. Uh, obviously, he needs, to, he needs to do what he's been doing this past season. He needs to put up similar numbers. And who knows what happens, right? Who knows with Otani, you know, whether or not he is able to pitch as many innings next season. Like there's nothing that can be predicted from this, right? Like one excellent season suggests that the following season will be, you know, similar, but it doesn't necessarily run on that trajectory. So, you know, my hope really is simply that, well, first of all, I always just simply hope for, for really good baseball to be played exciting baseball Toronto obviously but other teams as well because I want people watching baseball I want people talking about baseball and I want people to be excited about baseball and the more good young exciting players there are the more you know fans are going to be interested and and people are going to be talking about baseball so I think what Shohei Otani did was you know not only incredible just in terms of the feat itself but incredible for the game. I want to see Vlad succeed a, because he is an incredible talent. And as you said, would be the MVP save for the incredibleness of Otani. Um, But B, I also want Vlad to do well because if Vlad is doing really well, it probably means the blue Jays are also doing really well. So that's, that's really what I'm hoping for moving forward is that the two go hand in hand. Right. And, and look, the young players in this game, like Otani Guerrero, certainly in the the AL and then Soto Tatis Cunha jr. Others in the NL. I mean, that's what drives viewership, attention, awareness around baseball. And I think that's so important for bringing younger fans into the game, and, and, and these guys are certainly doing that. 
I think the one thing you're right. I mean, it's very possible that Otani's pitching isn't what it was this year. And that means that two-way-esque player isn't what it was in 2021. And I think basically now, I mean, you're going to look at that 2021 season if you're a writer and you suggest to yourself, look, like like that's sort of the benchmark, right? Like that's what we voted for Shohei Otani unanimously. It was a unanimous first place for Shohei. So that's the benchmark. So to me, you got to say to yourself, like, look, if he doesn't meet that benchmark, and then I look at Vlad over here, and Vlad's having another great season. He's hitting all the home runs. He's maybe having a higher RBI number or higher slash line Mm -hmm. or all those different metrics, then I would suggest to change my vote to Vlad. And the thing also too, Jen, is Vlad had tons of great teammates who had incredible seasons. So maybe those guys may not have the type of season and Vlad's the one really carrying this team, right? which may signal the writers, wow, like he's clear. Like if Vlad's off this team, there's no way the Blue Jays are as good. So I know, so I think it's not impossible for, for sure. Like I think Vlad's going to win, you know, the MVP probably at some point in his career. He, he's that good of a talent, but it, it just fascinates me whether writers are going to be more willing to give it to Otani again, or are they going to need to be seen with a standard of statistics, both pitching and hitting that match or, I mean, somehow exceed what he did in 2021, because that would be me if I was a writer in that position voting, because I just don't know, you know, because again, it'd be boring. I think too, to just give it to the the same person. Like you said about Mike Trout. I mean, there were years where, I mean, you could even make a case when Josh Donaldson won MVP that Mike Trout had better numbers, or there were other years where Mike Trout had better numbers and didn't win MVP. So it's always interesting, but I think at the bottom line is, again, if you're a fan, like, you want to see your team win the World Series. Like, I I mean, I certainly do. I mean, certainly the awards are fun debating discussion at the end of the season. But, look, if Vlad didn't win the MVP and won the World Series and did stuff to help the Jays win the World Series, like, I'd take that every single day of the week. But I think you also need to, you know, value and highlight incredible talent and, and, and awards do that. And I think Vlad has a chance, but it's going to take a, a, another special season for him and maybe a little bit of a dip from Otani for Vlad to win an MVP someday. Well, your initial point there was what I was trying to say earlier, which was that if Vlad is playing really well, there's a good chance the Blue Jays are also performing well. And ultimately you want your team in the playoffs. You want your team to be contending for the world series. Right. So, and I'm sure if you asked Vlad, what would you prefer a world series trophy or an MVP? I think he's going to pick the world series trophy. Right. So let's just hope for, you know, him to be putting up numbers like that again, not just for himself, for his own accolades, but also for, for the team, As for Shohei Otani, you know, 
a lot of fans have done a lot of really interesting mental gymnastics trying to argue why Guerrero should have won over Otani, right? The notion that Otani's pitching numbers weren't good enough on their own to get a Cy Young nod. Uh, his offensive numbers on their own would not have probably stood up for MVP. So you actually had to combine the two to get there. So you're right. I think that they've said that that's going to be the benchmark for him moving forward is that both the pitching and the hitting have to essentially be at that same level in order for him to continue to, to get that MVP consideration. Vlad is so young and so talented. I can't imagine that he isn't going to win an MVP, you know, sooner rather than later. But it'll be fun. It'll be fun to watch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like this, like this whole team gen from Vlad, Breos, and hopefully some more offseason moves, which get done in the offseason. Hopefully sooner rather than later, because I think it's going to be really fun <laughs> to watch this team. And, and Jen, I just got to say, only a few months from spring training happening. Hopefully on time. Hopefully on time. And, and uh, that'll be fun. That'll be fun when that happens again. But uh, the offseason march is on. I want to obviously thank all the listeners who make Locked On Blue Jays your first listen of the day. We're going to be continuing offseason episodes. We're going to be continuing guests on the show. I know that's been very popular. And, of course, I appreciate the guests coming on and the listeners who, who really listen to those great conversations. We really enjoyed them, and we're looking forward to having more guests on. But, but, but before we wrap up, Jen, where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me at baseball underscore Jen, and that is Jen with two N's. Yes, MLB analyst Jen Smith. All right, everyone, thank you so much again for making Locked On Blue Jays your first listen of the day. Make your second listen of the day Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. That podcast is free and available on all platforms. Locked On Blue Jays is also free and available on all platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. So for this episode of Locked On Blue Jays, I'm your co-host, Lucas Weiss. We will chat again soon.